I'm your host, Kurt Sandig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, I'm going to talk about something that you guys have been bugging me about since almost the second episode. I want to say the second or third episode, I started getting messages saying, are you going to talk about this? Are you going to talk about this? And I promised that if I made it to 50 episodes, then the 50th episode would be about the Mandela Effect. Well... Here it is, the 50th episode of Paranormal Almanac and the Mandela Effect. But, as always, it's shout-outs time. Shout-outs. First up, Kat. Welcome and thank you so very much. Angie, Anthony, Dan, Daniel, Dill, Edgar, Juliana, Laura, Laura, Elijah, Todd, and Matt. Thank you guys all so much. Welcome to the group. Let's have some fun over at Patreon. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check out patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac. And besides these wonderful, fantastic, amazing patrons of mine, I've got two special shout-outs on this episode alone. First up to Jen, who was there when that fake UFO slash real blimp went by and wanted to make sure that we all knew that there was a paramaniac on the ground watching the skies and seeing a blimp. And last but not least, one special shout-out to Gilbert. How you doing, Gilbert? Thank you so much for listening. All right, let's skip paranormal news and get right into this. The Mandela Effect. I can tell you exactly where I was when I first heard about the Mandela Effect. I was drunk, I can tell you that. But it was also on my old podcast called Drunken Metaphysical. My co-host Ginny knew all all about the Mandela Effect, and broke my brain on the podcast. During the podcast, she actually had to pause it to play this cool-ass video that she made about the Mandela Effect and just watched my brain implode. Because things I knew, things I knew for a fact, she told me and the Mandela Effect told me were just wrong. Are you confused? Well, let's start with exactly or theoretically what the Mandela Effect is. Now, it's named after Nelson Mandela because some people clearly remember him dying in prison and not getting out of prison, living for another 30 years or so to become president in South Africa. So those people were very clearly shocked to find out he didn't die in prison. And that that shock is key to this because the Mandela effect is an effect where you're told something that you know in your gut, in your heart of hearts to be true, never existed or was never true. When you find out something that you know 1000% no is now wrong and different, you have that feeling that no matter how much evidence that people can show you, to support the fact that what you know is now wrong, you know deep down in your heart 
that it's right, that it's supposed to be a certain way, and yet for whatever reason, it's not. And it's not just you. When you go and search out on Google, it's changed. When people tell you about it, some people say, yes, you're right. That's exactly what you, what do you mean? It's different. It's the same. And then there are other people who go, it's never been that way. I don't know what you're talking about. And they feel so deep down in their soul that it's never changed just as much as you feel deep down in yours that it has. So that's my explanation of what the Mandela effect is. As we go along, you're going to see, you're going to get an idea of what it really is, but Let's get technical for a second and find out what science thinks it is. Psychologists call the phenomenon confabulation. The term is used clinically to refer to memory defects experienced by patients with brain damage. And also to describe everyday phenomena like embellishing the truth when recounting events and inventing facts on the fly to fill in gaps in the memory. We've all done these things at one time or another, but we're very rarely conscious of when we do it. So that is the scientific explanation, what some people believe is the cause of the Mandela effect. And I don't know, it doesn't really fit for me. It definitely doesn't fit for me in a couple of these. It's not something that's filling in the gaps in memory. It's not embellishing the truth. I don't think it's a memory defect uh, caused by brain damage. At least I hope not. And if it is, you guys can just tell me If I have brain damage, please just say, hey, you know what? I've listened to 50 episodes of the Paranormal Almanac. You should get yourself checked out, maybe an MRI, because I think you got brain damage. Please let me know. Okay, if you still don't get what the Mandela Effect is, the easiest way to kind of grasp this concept is to just jump into it. So this one is the second classic one, if you will. That first classic one being Mandela, why it's called the Mandela Effect. But the second one is what broke my brain initially. Because when Ginny told me about the Mandela effect, I could understand why some people didn't really know what happened with Nelson Mandela. Maybe you're not up on current affairs or international news or you just didn't care. So I could see that some people would thought, oh, I thought he died when he never died. I can get that. I can get behind that. But this one, this one in where I'm from, in my universe, and I'll get to that in a minute, where I'm from, my knowledge, in my core, this one is now wrong. And it's the Berenstein Bears. Do you guys remember these cartoon bears that were very popular on TV and in books? They were everywhere. The Berenstein Bears. In fact, my mom ran a daycare and had the Berenstein Bear books scattered about for years. So I know how they were spelled. Even though these kids' books came out well after me being a kid, I saw them lying around and I went, oh, there's the Berenstein Bears. Or did I? Because for some reason, they were never known as the Berenstein Bears. They've always been known as the Berenstein Bears. And it's not just a pronunciation, it's a spelling as well. It is no longer B-E-R-E-N-S-T-E-I-N, Berenstein Bears. It is now Berenstain, S-T-A-I-N. The people that wrote these books had the last name Berenstain. It doesn't sound right. It's, it's not right. In my mind, it is clearly wrong. 
I clearly remember Steen, not Stain. But if you go and look at the old books, it's Stain. If you find some stuff online, it's Stain. If you find some books or some VHS tapes or stuffed animals at a flea market or a garage sale, it's now going to say Stain. Somehow, history has been changed, and instead of Baron Steen Bears, it's now Baron Stain Bears. None of that sounds right to me. So let me ask you this. How did it change? And how did it change everything we've had from the past? I can get that the internet could have changed stuff. Like, some really fancy hacker or government or whatever went through and changed every steam to stain ever on the internet, the entire internet. Seems like that would take a while. But I can get behind that. But how do they change every old book? Every old cartoon, every videotape, every everything. How is it changed? And that's the big question. That's the question that I'm going to be asking again and again and again. What happened to change everything? How did it reverse everything from the past? Or did it reverse everything from the past? Because in an episode of The Office, now this is the American office, not the UK office, but in an episode of The Office... They all go out to a trivia night at a bar. It's towards the later end of the series. Uh, but they all go out to the to a trivia night at a bar, and they make a joke about it on the TV show because they call the trivia team the Quirinstein Bears. It was a gay bar. doesn't matter. It's an outdated term. It's not exactly funny. But they're called the Quirinstein Bears, not the Quirinstein Bears. Now, I bring up this Office episode for a reason, because there's a thing called residue. People that are following the Mandela effect and trying to track it find these things that haven't changed, and they call them residue. It's residue of what it once was called before the Mandela effect happened and changed everything. These can be very subtle things that show that it used to be another way, spelled different, looked different, happened differently, and these residues help to validate what we know is true, that something changed. Now, I know some of you might not be up to date with kids' books or bears, so let's look at a ton more examples. I'm going to go through the best examples. Now, there are some that I left off, like the Pillsbury Doughboy. What color is his neckerchief? Well, you might be surprised to find out that the neckerchief is white. It didn't always used to be white. It used to be blue. Some things change just because it's a logo or a mascot or whatever, and they update it. So the Pillsbury Doughboy is not an example of a Mandela effect. It's an example of a changing logo or mascot or whatever you want to call the Pillsbury Doughboy. And if you're saying right now, Kurt, he never changed. Well, he's also tan now. So he's got a golden tan to him as well. So he is changing. Subtle changes, but changes nonetheless, not Mandela effects. TV and movies have dozens of examples, some I agree with completely, and some that are just plain wrong to me. I mean, plain wrong to me. And I get that we misremember and misquote things on a fairly regular basis. You'll go and see a movie, and then you just quote it slightly wrong. 
I can't think of an example off the top of my head. I'm sure it'll come up. I'm sure one will come up in just a second that I can say that's the example I was looking for. But we misquote stuff as a species. We think we're getting it just right when we're not. And I know it happens even more so on old movies because when I was growing up, I didn't have Netflix. I didn't have instant access to watch a movie a million times over. When I saw Star Wars A New Hope for the first time, I had to wait a year for it to be re-released in the theater before I could see it again. Not before it came out on video so I could watch it at home. That didn't happen for years and years afterwards. So I had to remember things. I know it sounds crazy, but I had to actually rely on my memory. And I think that's where some of these come from, why some of these sound wrong. But there's also some that are just plain weird to me. And here's the first one. I have to imagine that just about everyone listening to this podcast has seen I Love Lucy at least once. Some of you might be huge fans of I Love Lucy, so let me ask you this. How many times did Ricky Ricardo say, Lucy, you've got some splaining to do? Or just, you've got some splaining to do, even without the Lucy? 10? 20? 5? How many times do you think? Well... Zero. Ricky Ricardo never said that. That's right. On I Love Lucy, Ricky never says, Lucy, you got some splaining to do. He did say splain a few times, and he even said, okay, splain, and all right, start splaining. But the famous phrase, Lucy, you got some splaining to do? Never happened. That famous catchphrase never happened. All right, we got to the example that I was looking for a minute ago of people just misremembering and misquoting something, and that quote is, Luke, I am your father. And that came from the movie The Empire Strikes Back in 1980. You know the scene, Luke is hanging off on the edge of that little platformy thing, Vader's getting close to him, he just cut off his hand, he's holding his lightsaber, and he says, Luke. I am your father. And it blew everybody's mind because no one saw that coming. Well, that never happened. This one is just misremembering misremembering what Vader said. And I have to say, I agree with this one that it never happened. In my universe, where I come from, Vader never said that. The line he did say is, I am your father. It's always been that way. Here's the transcript of that scene. Luke, he told me enough. He told me you killed him. Vader. Luke, I am your father. See? That just doesn't fit. It doesn't work. It doesn't work with what Luke just said. You can read it over and over again. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. Luke, I am your father. Nope, that doesn't work. This is what he says. Luke says, he told me enough. He told me you killed him. And Vader says, no. I am your father. That fits. It fits the dialogue. It captures the emotion that they were going for. It fits. I think personally, because he was talking to Luke and it's the I am your father, it's the essential part of it. I am your father and he's talking to Luke. So people just kind of melded those together to Luke, I am your father. But that was never said in The Empire Strikes Back. Now, this next one messed me up quite a bit. 
mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? And that's what the evil queen said in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in the 1937 Disney classic cartoon. The only problem is, apparently she says, magic mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all, and not mirror, mirror on the wall. That doesn't sound right to me. You guys can say it is all you want, but to me, this one just seems wrong. And speaking of classic lines that just seem wrong, this next one just seems wrong. You know Dirty Harry, that Clint Eastwood movie from 1971? He's talking about how many bullets are in the gun, and he says, Do you feel lucky, punk? Well, do you? What if I was to tell you he never says, Do you feel lucky, punk? He actually says, Do I feel lucky, punk? That doesn't seem right to me. I don't agree with it. I actually pulled up the clip on YouTube so I could listen to it. And in this universe, apparently, that's what he says. Let me pause right here because I keep saying in this universe. Um, I'm going to get to explanations at the very end of it, but a little teaser for the explanations. My personal belief and a popular belief is that we somehow shifted in a parallel dimension from or a parallel reality or a parallel universe from one to another, one that is just slightly different. And that's what's causing all these Mandela effects. But I'll get back to that later. Like I said, that's going to be at the end. I'm going to be talking about explanations. Let's get back into this. Play it again, Sam. That classic line from Casablanca. Well, it's never said in the movie. People quote this thing all the time. But I'll be honest, I never remembered it from the movie. Do you guys? In your universe or where you come from and or in your memory, did he ever say play it again, Sam? How about this one? Silence of the Lambs, 1991. Anthony Hopkins, Jodie Foster. She's walking down that hallway. He's in that clear plastic jail cell. And he says, hello, Clarice. Well, does he? Actually, no, he doesn't. That's not the line he says to her at all. This one surprised me, but luckily, my friend Mickey, who was on the first episode of Paranormal Almanac, I was on his podcast, Video Vampires. Well, Mickey knows just about everything there is to know about horror movies or thrillers or whatever you want to call them. He is a whiz at this stuff. He is an encyclopedia. If you guys aren't listening to Video Vampires and you're really into classic horror movies... You should be listening to it. It's fantastic. But Mickey explained to me that it wasn't the first thing Hannibal ever said to Clarice, but it became part of the lexicon because of Jim Carrey in the cable guy saying it. He's got meat on his face, bacon or something, I forget. And he says, hello, Clarice, to Matthew Broderick. And people are just misremembering. They're assuming that if it's said in this movie... Making fun of this movie, it must have been said in this movie. Well, it wasn't. It was never in Silence of the Lambs. And I gotta say, I believe Mickey. Plus, I've watched the scene, and he's right, and they're right. It was never said. But surely, Beam Me Up, Scotty, was said in the original Star Trek, right? I mean, it's that classic line. Well, once again, no, it was never said in the original Star Trek. Kirk came closer In the 1967 episode called This Side of Paradise, he says, beam me up, but 
The closest he ever came to saying the phrase was in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, in which he says, Scotty, beam me up. For whatever reason, beam me up, Scotty, is the go-to phrase. I guarantee if you had a little toy communicator like I do and you handed it to somebody, the first thing they would do is flip it open, give it that little whip of that wrist and flip it open and then say, beam me up, Scotty. It's never said. How about this? If you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come. You remember that line from Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner from 1989? Kevin Costner hearing the voices, if you build it, they will come from the cornfield? Well, it's actually, if you build it, he will come. Seems kind of different, seems kind of bizarre, but nonetheless, that's what the phrase actually is. Do any of these sound weird to you? Let's pause here for a second. Do any of these sound weird to you? Did any of these break your brain? Did you know about the Mandela Effect prior to listening to this episode, and maybe you've heard one that you hadn't heard before? If not, I have a feeling you will, because for whatever reason, it seems like now that we know about the Mandela Effect, now that we're looking for these changes or noticing these changes, these changes are happening quicker and quicker, more and more each day. Is that a good thing? I don't know, but it doesn't seem like it is. Okay, you remember in The Wizard of Oz, the witch says, Fly, my pretties, fly! Well, now it's just, fly, fly, fly! And I gotta say, I've seen The Wizard of Oz a dozen times at least. Meh, more than that, probably 20, 30 times. In fact, I played the Tin Man in high school, so we had to watch that movie repeatedly to kind of figure out how to act like we're supposed to be professional actors. And I clearly remember her saying, fly, my pretties, fly. And there's a little bit of residue on this one because the Simpsons, that's right, the Simpsons, in one of the Treehouse of Horrors, in fact, I think it was in two, but in definitely one Treehouse of Horrors, the phrase, fly, my pretties, fly, is said. Seems kind of odd that the Simpsons would be misquoting something, but... There you have it. Is that proof of residue? Is The Simpsons spoofing something proof enough of residue? Okay, who can forget Mr. Rogers? That phenomenally, awesomely cool man. And if you didn't go see the documentary that just came out about Mr. Rogers, please do yourself a favor, find it, watch it, and you're going to cry. But this one is about his theme song. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day in the neighbor. That's right, right? Excuse my singing, but that's right. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Nope. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. That's what he says. I watched a bunch of them. That's what he says every time. And I got to say... That's just not right. Where I come from, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Not this neighborhood. Seems kind of weird. Here's a small one, yet subtle, but enough people have noticed it that I want to put it on this list. In Christmas Vacation, Clark freaks out and starts beating the hell out of the plastic Santa. Remember, there's a plastic Santa with a bunch of reindeer, and he beats the hell out of them. Just goes to town, pummeling them. That's how I remember it, right? 
Well, what if I was to tell you that he only punches it once and that's it? Because apparently that's what happens now. Okay, let's go to another one of my favorite movies. Batman from 1989 with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson's in the parade. Prince is probably playing. There's floats above him. And all this money starts going out into the crowds. Now, the funny part of that is, is one of the bills sticks to his hat, like his big brimmed hat that he has, that Joker hat. One of the bills sticks to the hat, and you can clearly see that all these people are freaking out and hitting each other and scrambling over each other for fake money because it has the Joker's face on it. Jack Nicholson as the Joker, bam, right in the center. And it kind of makes sense because earlier in the movie, when he's talking to Kim Basinger, he says, she's like, what do you want? He says, I want my face on the $1 bill. Later on in that movie, his face is on the bill. Now, that's how I remember it. Apparently, not apparently, I've watched it. It's no longer like that. But there is a little confusion to this one. I'm still putting it on the list because I could have sworn I saw it in the movie theater When I saw Batman in 1989, that phenomenal movie, I could have sworn I saw that on there. But it is still in the graphic novel uh, or the comic based on the movie, the one that came out at the same time as the movie. It's still in there, and it's probably a cut scene. So, is this a case of confabulation? Am I just misremembering and kind of connecting dots that really aren't there? Maybe I saw the cut scene on the video or the DVD or online, who knows? But somehow it seems right to me that that dollar bill, that bill that was against his hat had the Joker's face on it when I saw it on the big screen back in Michigan. But apparently I was wrong. This next one is very subtle, but it really messed me up as well because it just doesn't sound right. It's from the movie Forrest Gump starring Tom Hanks. And I'm sure that if anybody ever shows you a box of chocolates, that they quote this movie. Perhaps they're quoting it this way. Life is like a box of chocolates. You'll never know what you're going to get. That's how I know it. That seems right to me. But what if I was to tell you that the Mandela effect says that it is life was like a box of chocolates? You'll never know what you're going to get. You'll never know what you get. Yeah, whatever. It's the life is or life was part of it. And frankly, it doesn't quite work with the rest of that sentence. It seems off. It seems weird. And I don't think it's right. I honestly don't. But sure enough, go back and watch Forrest Gump and it's life was like a box of chocolates. You'll never know what you're going to get. I don't like that one. I gotta say, that one seems weird. It's another movie I saw in the theater. It's another movie I've seen dozens of times on TV and DVD and everything else. It seems like I knew that phrase just right, but somewhere along the way, it's changed. Now, none of these movie ones are as shocking to me as this next one. This next one... If you said, hey, Kurt, I'll give you $100 right now, go in your room, get the items that you need to recreate 
Tom Cruise's dance in Risky Business. Remember that? Uh, Bob Seger's playing. He slides across the, the floor onto the screen, like into the dead center from the side of the screen onto it. And he's wearing socks, boxers, a white dress shirt, and most importantly, those classic famous Ray-Ban sunglasses. Well, what if I was to tell you that that never happened, despite the fact that there is residue all over the place because it's been spoofed or done so many times since then on sitcoms, on TV, even ALF did it back in the day. And they always have the sunglasses on. They always have the shirt with the collar turned up. It's residue of of what once was. But that never happened. He never had the sunglasses on. He didn't even have a white dress shirt on. Don't believe me? Hit pause. Feel free to watch that on YouTube. I guarantee it's on there. Shockingly, for some strange reason, he is no longer wearing those famous Ray-Ban sunglasses and the white dress shirt with the collar pulled up. Now, this one might not be as prominent to some of you, but to others, it's going to sound weird. To me, it definitely sounded weird. The movie title, The Bridge Over the River Kwai. It had Alec Guinness in it. It was a great movie. Well, is it called Bridge Over the River Kwai or Bridge on the River Kwai? What sounds right to you? If you want to know which one is real, you're going to have to look it up online. Remember this one? You're out of order. This whole courtroom is out of order. It's from a movie called And Justice for All, starring Al Pacino. It's been quoted a million times. Well, it's actually, you're out of order. You're out of order. The whole trial is out of order. Nope. Not to me, it isn't. All right, any of these freaking you guys out yet? Surely a couple of these sound wrong in your head. You got that gut feeling that, "Mm, no, that's wrong. Well, let's keep going. Another big one for the Mandela effect that a lot of people remember is a genie movie in the 90s starring Sinbad, the comedian Sinbad. And that movie is called, go ahead and say it. Did you say Shazam? Because a lot of people swear that Sinbad was in a movie dressed as a genie called Shazam. It never happened. Now, I will say recently on April Fool's, Think Geek, I believe it was, maybe Funny or Die, but I think it was Think Geek, made a fake trailer for the movie Shazam starring Sinbad, but that's it. There never was a movie from the 90s called Shazam starring Sinbad. Now, a lot of people think that this is the perfect case of confabulation because there was a genie movie from the 90s called Kazam starring Shaq. And maybe people are mixing things up, but then there are a lot of people that swear, no, no, I remember seeing Kazam and thinking, boy, that's a cheap knockoff of Shazam starring Sinbad. They remember both very clearly. Okay, I never watched this show, so this one didn't mean anything to me, but it still seemed kind of odd. Is it sex in the city or sex and the city? Well, you're going to have to look it up to find out because I'm not going to tell you. How about this one? It's not a movie. We're kind of moving off of movies at this point, movie and TV. But 
How about this one? Chick-fil-A. You know those great chicken restaurants, supposedly? I've never been, but Chick-fil-A. Is it spelled C-H-I-C-K-F-I-L-A? Or is it spelled C-H-I-C-fillet? Or is it C-H-I-K-fillet? How's it spelled? That one, I just didn't know. I never really went to there, so it didn't affect me either way. Now, is it called Chuck E. Cheese or Chuck E. Cheeses? Again, you're going to have to look that one up. If you haven't guessed, this is the Kurt's being mean part of the episode where you're going to have to actually look these things up to figure out which is the proper one. How about this one? Interview with the vampire or interview with a vampire? Look it up. This next one you don't have to look up. I'm going to tell you what the Mandela effect is saying. Did you know that Judge Judy never used a gavel on her show ever? Seems to me I remember her, you know, banging a gavel, telling people to shut the hell up and calling men stupid or whatever. I remember that, but apparently that never happened. Judge Judy never used a gavel. Okay, James Bond fans, this next one is for you. The classic Roger Moore movie, Moonraker. Remember when they go up into space and they take like the space shuttles up into space and they have an amazing villain. His name is Jaws. This gigantic Frankenstein-looking guy. One of the best villains ever. He's got those big silver metal teeth. Well, there was also another character in that movie, and her name was Dolly. Now, Dolly's important because Jaws falls in love with Dolly. They both have silver teeth because Dolly smiles, and she has braces on. And he smiles, and they're like, Oh, you got metal teeth, and I got metal on my teeth. Let's fall in love. And it's a big part of the movie, at least in my mind it is, and a bunch of other people's too, because The Simpsons made fun of it, and there's also a commercial called Sampo, S-A-M-P-O. It's a miniature credit card commercial from another country. I'm going to post it onto the Facebook page so you can watch this Sampo commercial, because they actually have the actual actor who played Jaws in Moonraker kind of redoes his character even though he doesn't have the metal teeth but in this commercial he falls in love with the girl behind the counter or has a spark with the girl behind the counter because guess what she's got braces just like dolly had in moonraker but apparently that never happened dolly has no braces on in moonraker yes i'm getting angry because it seems really weird to me that I clearly remember braces when there weren't any. And again, I'm not the only one. There were a lot of James Bond fans that are freaking out about the fact that Dolly no longer has braces, and that scene doesn't quite make sense anymore. Okay, how many of you out there were Star Trek The Next Generation fans? Do you remember Picard? Jean-Luc Picard, he's getting his own show again. I can't wait. The brilliant Patrick Stewart. Do you remember Picard's office right off of the bridge. He had that little office where everybody came in and told their problems to. Well, apparently, Picard has this crystal, this quartz-looking crystal. It's probably, I don't know, five or six inches long that he fidgets with in over 70 episodes. Here's the problem. I don't recall that thing ever existing at all. Yet, 
now when you go back and look, it is very prominent. He is holding it. He is fidgeting it with it. It's sitting on his desk. It's always in a scene for 70 episodes. I don't remember this thing at all. Okay, how about this next one? Is it Charles Schultz, S-C-H-U-L-Z? Or is it Charles Schultz, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z? And if you don't know who I'm talking about, he came up with that amazing cartoon or comic strip, whatever you want to call it, Peanuts with Charlie Brown. How does he spell his name? Well, if you feel so inclined, you're going to have to look it up online. How about this one? Is it Jif peanut butter? Not Jiffy? When I grew up, there was Jif peanut butter, and then there was also one called Jiffy peanut butter. And I know what you're thinking. Ah, oh, you're just, re- you're confabulating or whatever you want to call it. You're just misremembering because there was Jif and there was Skippy. Well, guess what, everybody? I remember Jif, Jiffy, and Skippy peanut butter. I remember I really liked one, either Jiffy or Jif, when I was a kid. I don't recall which one I liked, which one I didn't like, or which one I was allowed to pick out when my mom and I went grocery shopping. But I remember Jiffy peanut butter. It was there in my memory. It was there in my memory when I grew up. It existed. Apparently, and it doesn't exist, and it never did. There was never a Jiffy peanut butter. and I don't like that one. How about the next one? Is it Cap'n Crunch, C-A-P-N Crunch, or is it Captain Crunch? Some people think that it became Cap'n Crunch, but there was at one time a Captain Crunch. Some people say, no, it's always been Captain Crunch. Well, all you cereal lovers out there, which is it? I'm going to sing again for this next one, and I apologize in advance. My baloney has a first name. It's O-S-C-A-R. My baloney has a second name. It's... What did you just spell? Don't think about it. Did you sing along? What did you just spell? Did you spell it M-A-Y-E-R or M-E-Y-E-R? Because there's a lot of people that swear it's one and not the other. This next one is one that didn't change ever in my universe or in my mind, but it might have something to do with the fact that I actually worked for this company. Skechers Shoes. They're crappy shoes, and they're not paying me to not say it, so I'm going to say it. They're crappy shoes. Skechers suck. But how is it spelled? Is it S-K-E-T-C-H-E-R-S? Or is it just S-K-E-C-H-E-R-S? Now, again, I could tell you which one it is as far as I'm concerned, but I worked there, and it never changed as far as I know. It was always one way in my mind. Now, this next one, a lot of you may not remember because I don't even think they show it in reruns anymore, but it was a show that was on when I was growing up. It was in reruns for years as well. Gary Coleman was the star. Different Strokes. Now... Is it different strokes spelled out properly, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-T? Or is it different strokes, D-I-F-F apostrophe R-E-N-T? Different strokes. This next one is another one that I remember specifically as well because I was a huge fan of his when I was a kid. Evil Knievel. E-V-E-L 
Knievel. That's how I always remembered it. That's the way it is, actually. But a lot of people out there seem to remember it being Evil Knievel, E-V-I-L. And I think this one can be explained because you don't often see Evil Knievel spelled out, but you hear people talking about Evil Knievel, especially back then. I remember going to school and saying, did you see the jump he did last night where he didn't make it over Snake River or he didn't make it over Caesars or he didn't make it over the buses? Now that I come to think about it, I don't know why this man was my hero because he seemed to just crash motorcycles a hell of a lot. Nonetheless, he was my hero. I still want an Evil Knievel jacket, that white with the red, I'm sorry, that white with the blue and the stars. How bitchin' was that jacket? But I digress. I think it was always spelled E-V-E-L. As I'm sure you're aware, you've heard me babble repeatedly about how much of a Star Wars fan I am. And I really am. It was still one of the best experiences ever in my life. Seeing that first Star Wars as a kid completely changed me. To this day, I still collect Star Wars stuff. Big nerd? Yes, I get it. But this one in my mind has always been the same. And it's what color is one of C-3PO's legs. Because to a lot of people, C-3PO was all gold in Star Wars A New Hope. Well, that's not true, because one leg was silver. Not the entire leg, but from the knee down of his right leg was silver. Again, this one doesn't really affect me, but I think that's the whole point of the Mandela effect, is that some of these... Some of these will hit you so hard in the gut, and others where you go, well, no, that's just right. But I guarantee you that out there, that's hitting somebody in the gut just as hard as the Berenstain Bears hit me in the gut. Someone's going, what the hell do you mean his leg used to be silver? No, it didn't. What it is now? That's crazy. Well, his leg used to be silver, and that's just the way it always was. All righty. It wouldn't be a Paranormal Almanac episode without debunk time. So, let's take a breath for a second. Let's relax about all the weird crap that I have just told you that might or might not be right in your mind. And I've got a ton more. Don't worry, I'm gonna still going, but this is debunk time. There's a theory out there that the Titanic didn't lose any passengers, that everyone survived, and that people have found newspapers that show this from a supposed another dimension, or they found residue that the passengers survived. Well, let me just say, these newspapers exist. These newspapers are real. They're not photoshopped. They do exist. But that's because these newspapers were jumping the gun to get that morning issue out and sadly didn't have all of the facts. They knew that the Titanic hit something, but they thought everyone got out alive. Sadly... That happens all the time with news articles, even online news articles today, it still happens. Another debunking one? I had a couple of people send me this video of this girl freaking out because the Chase logo, the Chase Bank logo, seems to change right before her eyes. The colors seem to change. The actual lettering of the Chase logo, as far as she was concerned, was changing color, and there's a video with over 700,000 hits on it. Unfortunately for everybody that's watched this video and that believes it, well, do two seconds of research, because within two seconds, I went to the Chase Bank Wikipedia page, 
and it clearly shows that the logo changed throughout the years. It clearly shows the lettering changing colors too. There's nothing paranormal there. Sometimes logos just change, like eBay's logo. It changed throughout the years. They've updated their logo. There's nothing paranormal about it. But with that being said, there's another logo. Okay, that's it for debunking time. I'm getting back into Mandela Effect. That being said, there is another logo that's just wrong to me, and that's the Ford logo. Ford Motor Company. There's a little swoosh or flourish on the F. But my dad has a 32 Ford. I used to go to car shows all the time. I come from a family. I come from Detroit. That's, you know, the Motor City. That's where, that's where Ford is from. Yet, for some reason, that little swoosh has always been there from the beginning, whether I remember it or not, and I don't. How about the VW logo? You got that one in your mind? The VW logo. What about it having a space between the V and the W? Does it have one in your mind? Well, there's a lot of residue online of the VW logo perhaps changing due to the Mandela effect because this residue are people's tattoos. And I don't mean one or two people. I mean hundreds and hundreds of people have the VW logo where there is no space between the V and the W. No indent, no dash, whatever you want to call it. It's just a straight V and a W in a circle. Are all of these people wrong? And if so, why? Why didn't any tattoo artist, why didn't any of them look it up online and be like, this is the logo you want me to do? All right, let me do this logo. It doesn't seem to make sense that this many people would get it so wrong. Let me ask you this. There's a board game that I guarantee you you've played, guarantee you you've gotten mad during it, and I guarantee you that some of you would flip the table, yelled at an aunt or an uncle or a niece or a nephew, and said, screw this game, I'm never playing it again. That game is Monopoly. Picture Monopoly. Now picture the Monopoly man. Don't picture the Monopoly man that was made fun of in Ace Ventura, but picture the cartoon of the Monopoly man. Is he wearing a monocle in what you're picturing? Yes or no? Does the Monopoly man have a monocle? Well, that answer might surprise you. Look it up online. How about the movie Gremlins? It's a great movie. It's one of the worst Christmas movies ever because of Phoebe Cates' speech in the middle of it. That horrific speech about smelling her dead dad stuck down the chimney. But remember the villain, the one gremlin the green gremlin obviously the one that had the mohawk what was his name did you say spike or did you say stripe to me it's always been stripe always but to a lot of people they get hit right in the gut by saying no no it's always been spike what are you talking about well that's the Mandela effect for you. Some people are going to get really angry that I'm saying it was always Stripe. Some people are going to get really angry when I say it's never been Spike. You know, it's, it's, it's really how you remember things. And because of that, in November of 2016, Gremlins actually caved to this popular memory and they actually licensed, they licensed a t-shirt calling the Gremlin Spike. But that's the only reference ever 
for him being called Spike. Okay, very rarely do I get religious on you guys. At least too deep into religion. Maybe the, uh, maybe the UFO uh, religious painting ones would probably be the most religious I can think that I've gotten. But let's get religious for a second here. Do you know the phrase, I guess it's a phrase, I don't know what you would call it, but do you know the saying, then the lion shall lay down with the lamb and the bear shall eat grass like the ox and the child shall play on the hole of the asp and nothing shall hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. Does that beginning part sound right to you? Then the lion shall lay down with the lamb. That sounds very familiar to me. I seem to remember a poster or a picture or something when I was in uh, catechism, Bible school, whatever you want to call it, when I was a kid back in the day, it was up on the wall and it says, then the lion shall lay down with the lamb. And there's a picture of a lion and right in front of it, it's a picture of the lamb. Sounds right, right? Well, it's not. It's not the lion that lays down with the lamb, but the wolf that lays down with the lamb. That doesn't sound right to me at all. I'm pretty sure I don't have brain damage, and I'm pretty sure I can spot the difference between a lion and a wolf, but apparently it's never been lion. All right, do you guys know the Lord's Prayer? This one is iffy, but I'm leaving it on here because depending on where you look for your Mandela effects, some say the Lord's Prayer has changed. But I'm going to be honest. I find so many sites and photos and pictures on walls and sayings and stained glass that has that traditional Lord's Prayer that you're probably just saying in your head right now. So I'm leaving this one as inconclusive. Some are saying that the Lord's Prayer completely changed I personally think that there is a traditional Lord's Prayer and a King James Lord's Prayer or a whatever-the-hell-else kind of Bible Lord's Prayer. I'm leaving that one as inconclusive. I wanted to put it on here because a lot of people think it's a clear example of the Mandela Effect, and I can't find anything clear about it. All right, last religious one, I promise. Judge not, lest ye be judged. What if I told you that it's actually judge not that ye be not judged. Not, judge not, lest ye be judged. The proper one, the real one, apparently the only one ever, is judge not, that ye be not judged. That just doesn't sound right at all. It's really hard for me to say, and if I would have left in the edits I just took out, you would have heard me have a tongue twister moment trying to say it. But... I did edit it out because I sounded like an idiot. So let's move on. Let's get out of religion here. Do you remember this famous painting of Henry VIII? Can you picture Henry VIII, the big, chubby, whatever, king with wearing this old-timey king outfit, and he's holding something in his hand? What's Henry VIII holding in his hand? If you said turkey leg, you're not the only one. For some reason, though, that painting never existed. That image never happened. Now, sure, if you Google Henry VIII turkey leg, you'll find a bunch of modern images, but I'm talking about that classic painting. This next one is another one that's inconclusive for me anyway, and it's Mona Lisa's smile. 
What do you guys think? Was Mona Lisa smiling in that painting by Da Vinci? Many, many, many people remember her having a bored facial expression. No smile at all. But in reality, she has a slight smile, a smirk, if you will. Now, this one, in my actually not even in my opinion, this one actually has a slightly scientific explanation. It's not so much debunked, but it's inconclusive. Scientists believe that the painting is an optical illusion and changes based on where you are viewing it from. Seeing that painting from a specific angle makes the colors blend in different ways, which alters her facial expression. So it's kind of hard to say, does Mona Lisa smile or was she expressionless? Now, I will say that there's a song called Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa, men have named you. You're so like the lady with the mystic smile. Why would they add that to the song if she didn't have that little mystic smile that everyone was talking about? I think another line, even something about a strangeness in the smile. But regardless, I'm leaving that one as inconclusive, but I'm leaving it on here because it's always added to Mandela effect lists. All right, how about the Lindbergh baby? Was the Lindbergh baby ever found? Well, that that really depends on who you ask. Because the 20-month-year-old, the 20-month-year-old? Yes, the 20-month-year-old baby, no, the 20-month-old baby was found on May 12, 1932. But there's a lot of people out there that swear he was never found. And they kind of use another Simpsons gag as residue. But I think that's just kind of making fun of the fact that the Lindbergh baby was kidnapped. And did they find the Lindbergh baby or was it another child that they found another dead child and that the Lindbergh baby was still out there? It was Grandpa Simpson who says, yes, it's true. I'm the Lindbergh baby. Goo, goo, ga, ga. Trying to distract, I think, the police. I don't really consider that one residue, though. That one just seems like they're making fun of a ancient yet horrific situation. All right. How about the Tiananmen Square? Remember the young man standing his ground in front of those tanks on Tiananmen Square? Well, there's a lot of people out there that have a memory of him being run over by a tank. What actually happened to him? Well, you should look it up online. You should watch it. That was a historic moment that needs to be seen and needs to be remembered how I remember it anyway. All right, back to cereal one more time. Is it Fruit Loops? Fruit spelled the typical way, F-R-U-I-T? Or is it Fruit Loops, F-R-O-O-T? How's it spelled? If you got a box, go take a look. All right, let's move over to music for just a second here. Any Barbara Streisand fans out there? How's Barbara spelled? Is it the typical way, B-A-R-B-A-R-A? Or is it Barbara, B-A-R-B-R-A? Barbara sounds weird to me, but apparently that's the correct one. How about this next one? Do you know the song California Dreamin' by the Mamas and the Papas? I'm not singing this one, but sing along with me if you will. Stopped into a church. I passed along the way. Well, I got down on my knees and I... What did you guys just say? If you knew the song and you were singing along, stopped into a church, I passed along the way, well, I got down on my knees and I... Did you say 
began to pray? Because that's how I always sang it. In my universe, in my mind, those are the next words. Well, the next words apparently are pretend to pray. And it seems to me they speak or they sing slowly enough and clearly enough that I should have realized they were saying, I got down on my knees and pretend to pray. Not began to pray. That one's weird to me. Okay, now let's get to the biggest one in the music category for me. A big one. One of my all-time favorite songs that I sang with, I sang along with every time it was on. And it's Queen's We Are the Champions. An incredible song by the incredible band and incredible Freddie Mercury. You know it, you love it, I'm not singing it. But how does that song end? To help you out a little bit, I'm going to play a little clip from James Corden's We Are the Champions with Gwen Stefani, Julia Roberts, and George Clooney. Now I'm going to need to skip ahead a little bit, so excuse me while I skip ahead. Okay, here it is. This is the part I wanted to get to. We're almost at the end. They're getting to that crescendo. Now listen to this. That's really rough, man. One more time. Of the world. Crazy. That's really That's really rough, man. The song ends. We are the champions. And he never sings of the world, even though everybody in that car on that show saying of the world and we're waiting for it and if you see the clip they're all bated breath waiting to finish the song of the world and yet it never happens that one my friends is wrong when i grew up where i came from what universe i was in whatever happened before the mandela effect there was one last of the world and that just about wraps it up For the music section. That's right, I'm still going. I still have more examples. I'm trying to do the most in-depth Mandela Effect episode done, out there, ever. Most of them are 10, 15 minutes long, 10, 20 examples long. I don't know how many examples I've given you, but I guarantee you it's more than 10 or 20. Alrighty, do you guys remember an Oscar speech back in the day? Sally Fields, she wins an Oscar and she says, you like me, you really like me. Well, what if I told you that she never says that? Weird, right? What does she say? I should put a clip in right here, but I'm not gonna. I want you guys to go online. You gotta do some of the legwork here, folks. Find out what she says, because she never says, you like me, you really like me. Even though that's what I remember, that's what a lot of people remember. From here, let's move on to one of my favorite topics. Favorite in that weird kind of macabre way. The JFK assassination. I've seen the Zapruder film a million times. I've been to Dallas. I've been to the Dealey Plaza. I've been to the spot where Lee Harvey Oswald took a shot. I drove around with a guy who worked 
as a police officer that day. If you don't know that story, you're going to have to find it because I'm pretty sure I've told it on Paranormal Almanac. If not, I've definitely told it on Drunken Metaphysical. And you tell me, fans, have I ever told you my JFK story? If I never have, I will gladly do another episode talking all about it. But I'm not, I don't want to repeat myself for the hardcore listeners that listen to every episode a thousand times. I know none of you are out there. But anyhow, the JFK limo, why, it's a, why is this one on the Mandela Effect list? Well, it's because a lot of people remember the limo only carrying four people. Those four people were the driver, JFK, Jackie O, and Governor John Connolly. And that's it. That's all people remember are the driver, who is Agent Bill Greer, Governor John Connolly, President Kennedy, and Jackie Kennedy. Four people only. Well, what if I was to tell you that there was also Roy Kellerman and Nellie Connolly in that limo? That's right, there were six people in the limo. Not four, six people. To me, in my universe, it's always been six people. I can tell you exactly how Connolly was sitting, how that little fold-down seat was, how he was over just slightly from Kennedy, how that magic bullet still hit him where it hit him. But, to a lot of people, Connolly was sitting in the front seat, and there were just four people in that limo. What's right in your universe? What do you remember? How about Smokey the Bear? You know Smokey the Bear. Only you can prevent fire fires. Fire fires? Forest fires. Only you can prevent forest fires. Well, what if I was to tell you his name isn't Smokey the Bear? It's Smokey Bear. There's no the. That seems weird to me. I don't know if it's because it's Yogi the Bear or why that seems so strange to me, but in my mind, it's always been Smokey the Bear, not Smokey Bear. But anyhow, moving on to another useless one. How about Herbal Essence? You know, the shampoo? Well, I looked it up online, and it appears to be and has always been Herbal Essences, plural. Now, I can find a couple of maybe residues. If you look it up on, like, the Target website, it says Herbal Essence on the description part, even though the bottle says Herbal Essences. So, is that residue, or is it just someone misspelling it or misremembering it? Am I just misremembering it? I gotta be honest, I don't think I've ever used Herbal Essence or Essences. I don't think it's ever been in a shower. I don't think any girlfriend has ever had any of it, so I don't know For sure on that one. How about the movie Lord of the Rings? Do you remember a scene where Gandalf is falling and he says, Run, you fools! Well, what if I was to tell you that he's telling Frodo and the rest of those guys, Fly, you fools! Does that sound right to you? Again, this one, I don't have any idea if it's right or wrong. I saw the movie. Movie's fine, but it's not one where I've watched it a million times or has that kind of impact on me. How about Cliff Notes? You ever been to college? Do you ever use Cliff Notes? Maybe you used used them in high school. I don't know. I remember Cliff Notes. I remember using them. What I don't remember is that they're actually called Cliff's Notes. Cliff's Notes. That doesn't sound right to me. That seems really weird. How about the color chartreuse? Are you picturing it in your mind right now? Picture it in your mind. Think about the color chartreuse. What color, even if you don't know, you have a feeling... 
What color do you think it is? Open up the crayon box in your mind and find the color chartreuse. Are you picturing red, a red color? Well, what if I was to tell you that it's actually a green color? This one doesn't sound right to me at all. Same thing, like I was talking about this one with a friend of mine. He'll be on the show soon. His name's Sean. He's a fantastic guy. Sean and I were talking about the color chartreuse. Really good buddy of mine. We were talking about the color chartreuse, and he said, it's red. And I said, that's what I thought. I thought it was red. And we went down that rabbit hole of why we thought it was red. Now, I get that there's a liqueur called, or a liquor, called chartreuse, and it's a bright green syrupy thing. But for some reason, the color chartreuse has always been red in my mind. And I don't know why that one is, but that one seems weird to me and it seems off. Now, this next one I've used way more than herbal essences, and that's cup of noodles. You remember cup of noodles? I do. I used to eat them quite a bit. Tons of sodium, not good for you at all, but fills you up. They're really cheap. Well, it's actually cup noodles. There's no O. It's cup noodles. That's a stupid name for a product. I don't know. What do you want to call it? Uh, cup noodles? Sure, cup noodles. How about noodle cups? No, cup noodles. That's a dumb name. Okay, what about Tweedledee and Tweedledum? What do they have on their hats? Do you remember? For some reason, I thought they were propellers, propellers, but apparently they've always been green flags on their hats. That seems weird to me, but apparently it's always been that way. How about Laughing Cow? You know the cow that's on those uh, things of cheese? Does the cow have hooped gold earrings? Or how about a hooped golden nose ring? Are you picturing it? Because I remember an earring for sure. I remember hooped earrings. I kind of I sort of remember a nose ring even. But what I don't remember is that the cow's earrings are little cheese wheels hanging off her earlobes. I don't remember that at all. That seems wrong to me. Maybe they've changed it. I'll be honest. I didn't delve deep enough into this one. It was on a list. I said, well, that's weird. I didn't delve deep enough into this one. So let's put that one in the inconclusive category just in case I'm wrong. I don't want to lead you guys down the wrong rabbit hole. How about Curious George? Did Curious George have a tail? Yes or no? Look it up. Speaking of tails, how about Pikachu's tail? Does Pikachu's tail have a stripe on it? At the end of it, is it a different color? Or is it all one solid color? Are you sure? Look it up. How do you spell JCPenney? Is it P-E-N-N-E-Y? Or just like a penny, P-E-N-N-Y? The answer might surprise you. How about the heart location? That one seems simple, right? The heart. If someone says to you right now, well, I'm saying it to you right now, If you're able to, if you're operating, please don't do this. If you're operating on a heart, just look down. That's where the heart is. But if you are able to, just put your hand over your heart. I guarantee you, you took your right hand and you placed it over your left breast, chest, whatever you want to call it. You didn't put it in the dead center of your body. Now, I get that when you're doing heart compressions, you're towards the center But for some reason to me, I always thought that the heart was off-center. It was a little bit more to the left than it was to the right. That's why they say don't sleep on your left-hand side, put your hand over your heart, that whole thing. 
but apparently it is dead center of your body, not slightly to the left. And apparently there's other things in the human body that have actually changed too. Ribs have changed. Skull holes have changed. It seems to me like the ribs one is different. I'll give you that one, that they're more uniformed or they have little short stubby ribs. But uh, without showing diagrams, without talking about pictures, I'm not going to describe why the ribs are a little bit different or where the holes on the skull is a little bit different. Feel free to look those up as well. Um, maybe I'll put them on the Facebook, but I don't think I'm going to put that one up there, to be honest with you. you that, one's, that one you should look up for yourself. Now, I was talking about the Mandela Effect. I've been doing this episode or researching this episode for quite a bit. I wanted, Like I said, I wanted to find every example I could, debunk ones that I could, because I never found any that were debunked either. This seems to be an all-or-nothing kind of a conspiracy theory, if you want to call it that. So... I was talking with somebody, and they said, I've got something that's kind of weird. It might be a Mandela effect. Take a look. And it was a quote from Bill Gates, and it was about his IM, his IM, his IBM PC with Intel 8088. I looked it up. Sure enough, it is a Mandela effect. And the legend goes that at a computer trade show in 1981, Bill Gates uttered this statement. Because it's it's in defense of his just-introduced IBM PC's 640KB usable RAM limit. And he says, 640K ought to be enough for anybody. And apparently it went on to be kind of a, a joke amongst uh, computer enthusiasts. Because obviously, 640K is not enough. Your phone has, thankfully, many more K. But it seems to be a big It seems to be remembered by a lot of people. No, no, that's what Bill Gates said. I remember it. I remember reading it in a magazine. I remember reading it in the newspaper. I remember seeing it online. The problem is Bill Gates confirmed himself that he has never said that line ever. Kind of weird, huh? How about the location of New Zealand? New Zealand, one of my most favorite places that I've never been. Land of all things Lord of the Rings, but more importantly, land of Flight of the Concords, and even more importantly, land of Reese Darby, one of my favorite people in the world. Reese Darby is hilarious. He was Murray on Flight of the Concords, that's true, but he's done so many other fantastic things, including having his own paranormal podcast called The Cryptid Factor. It's crazy. It's freaky. Watch out. It's one of my favorite podcasts. I love listening to it. I wish they did it every week. I understand that they're all so busy that they can't. Uh, One of his co-hosts, David Ferrier, you might recognize his name because Netflix just released his show, The Dark Tourist, which is fantastic. I highly recommend everybody watch that. But um, anyhow, Reese Darby, you're fantastic. I'd love to have you on my show. If on the off chance you're listening, I saw you at Alien Con. I didn't want to bother you. But anyhow, let's get back to New Zealand. The reason it's brought up is because many, 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 many people swear that New Zealand has moved. Some say from the left of Australia. Some say from right above Australia. And some say that it used to be a lot closer to Australia on the right. Do you know where New Zealand is? I'm not asking Reese Darby right now. I'm asking the rest of you guys. Do you know where New Zealand's located? If you said far to the right of Australia, you're correct. 
But a lot of people swear that it was to the left of Australia or just above Australia. Now, speaking of New Zealand, there's a scene in Dazed and Confused that a lot of people use as proof of the Mandela effect. Here's residue, residue proof. In fact, sadly, I used to say this was proof of the Mandela effect and proof that New Zealand has moved. Because in Dazed and Confused, there's a scene with a guy and Mila Jovovich. They're in a high school. He's spinning a globe. And bam, to the left of Australia is this mystery landmass. You can see it clear as day. If you watch Dazed and Confused, you can see it. I guarantee you there's a YouTube clip of just this scene. There is a large landmass to the left of Australia. This scene was filmed at a real school with a real globe. Not one that was made for this movie, not some prop globe with fake countries on it, but a real globe. And it clearly shows a landmass to the left. And it's not the only piece of this residue actually out there because in Mad Men, when John Hamm is behind his desk in one specific scene, again, you can find it online if you want to, there's a globe. And sure as shit, just to the left of Australia is a landmass. Just like that dazed and confused one. How can this be? Well, let's make this one the third debunk of this episode. Because that landmass to the left of Australia in Mad Men and in Dazed and Confused has been explained. It's not a landmass at all, but a map key they use that they actually put on globes. It's a map key that they show on globes. They put them on there so you kind of know what something is. It's called a map key. It's very common. In fact, someone online has even figured out what globe. The globe in question is a 1957 Denoyer Geppert Company globe. Denoyer? I don't know. D-E-N-O-Y-E-R Geppert G-E-P-P-E-R-T globe. It's a real globe. These were made from 1959 to 1962, this specific model. And it matches exactly the Dazed and Confused globe and the Mad Men globe. It's the globe. I looked it up. This guy's right. He figured it out. He found the globe. And guess what? Right there to the left of Australia, clear as day, is a map key. Which, I guess, if it's not in perfect focus, does look like a landmass. But sorry, Mandela effect, guys. This one has been debunked. Now, I'm not saying that New Zealand didn't move in universes or in the Mandela effect. What I am saying is that you can't use this as proof that it moved because it's not proof of anything other than you found a map key on a globe. Three debunks, one episode. Alrighty. This next one, actually these next two, were really big mind blowers for me because I remember learning specific details that are apparently just completely wrong and always have been. And I have to say, just a heads up for you guys, these are the last two examples of the Mandela effect. But here we go. You ready? These two that blew my mind. These two new ones, as far as I'm concerned, that blew my mind. What color are Hitler's eyes? It's not a setup to a bad joke. It's an honest question. Because I can tell you clearly what I remember learning. I learned that Hitler had brown eyes and brown hair. And that was very odd because his bullshit master race 
was to have blue eyes and blonde hair, two things he didn't have. And it always stuck me, it always struck me as really strange that the two things he didn't have, these blue eyes and brown and these blue eyes and blonde hair were things that he wanted the master race to have in his BS psycho mind. Now, in fact, that same guy, Sean, that I was talking about earlier, that will be on an episode. He's got fantastic stories. In fact, he should be a co-host. If he had time, I'd beg him to be my co-host. You guys would love listening to his stories. But that same guy, Sean, another friend of mine, Phil, and I were sitting around Sean's garage. We're talking about Mandela effects. And I asked this question, hey, what color does Hitler's, what color are Hitler's eyes? And they both said, just like me, brown. 100%, they knew it was brown. Sean remembered it just like I did, how weird it was that Hitler had brown eyes and brown hair and was talking about blue eyes all the time. Well, if you look it up, if you Google image it, you find an actual real color photo of Hitler... He has piercing blue eyes. This is wrong, wrong, wrong. In my universe, where I'm from, he had brown eyes. I don't understand this one. Even worse than that one, though, is this last one. Do you know who Eli Whitney is? Don't look him up. Don't Google search him. If you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. And it's fine if you don't. But Eli Whitney was the inventor of the cotton gin. Now, I clearly remember learning that he was one of the first African-American inventors, along with George Washington Carver, who invented something. One of the very first African-American inventors. And he invented the cotton gin. And how astounding was it that this man did this? Well, Eli Whitney is white. He's a white guy. Google him now. Take a look. He's some fancy little white guy. I don't understand that one. I don't understand how it's just so wrong. It is not right. I have that gut feeling about Eli Whitney, and I don't like it at all. I don't like that these things have changed so dramatically. Some subtly, sure, I'll give you that. Some we might be misremembering. Sure, I'll give you that too. But these are big changes. These last two, in fact, there's a bunch of them on here. We are the champions. There's a bunch that are, in my mind, big changes. But what causes these things to change? What causes the Mandela effect? Well, there are some explanations. Parallel universe, like I was saying earlier, this one seems to be the biggest theory. Somehow... Some of us have slipped into a parallel dimension, a parallel universe, that is just slightly different than the one that we're used to. And this explains why some of us remember things a certain way and why others don't. It also explains why we can't find proof of these truths anymore. Because we've slipped into another universe where these have always been the truths. They've always been this way. There wouldn't be any records. But why the residue? I don't know. How did we slip into another universe? Again, I don't know, but I'm definitely, this one is the one that I'm in. If you say, which, which explanation of the Mandela effect do you believe the most? It's this one. Now, when did this dimension slip happen, though? What caused it? 
Is it caused or was it caused or will it be caused by John Teeter? And if you don't know who John Teeter is, he was a supposed time traveler. I talked about him in a previous episode. A very fascinating tale. If you haven't listened to it, really honestly listen to it. I'm not just trying to like boost my numbers. I really think you guys would get a kick out of this John Teeter one. This one was really interesting in my mind. But in a nutshell, please go and listen to it anyway. But in a nutshell, John Teeter was a time traveler. And when he time traveled, he traveled to universes that were slightly different, but close enough to his own timeline or different timelines, I guess I should say. He traveled to different timelines that were very close to his timeline. So there would be subtle differences. Some dates would change. Some events would change. Some events didn't happen yet. Some events happened earlier. This could be an explanation of the Mandela effect. When John Teeter and other time travelers have been time traveling back to us, back to the present day or to the past, did they skew us off onto a different timeline? Like, for example, do you remember in Back to the Future when Doc's trying to explain timelines and he does that line, then he does a little line off of that and a little line off of that? That is the alternate timeline theory that kind of goes along with the Mandela effect. It could also explain why we might be in the darkest timeline right now. Something seems to have shifted. I know some of you are feeling it too. And I know that a couple of people say that I'm way too political on this, which cracks me up because I'm not political on this at all in my mind. But I'm going to get political for a second. It seems to me that we have now shifted to the darkest timeline. Things are just wrong. Batshit crazy things are really wrong. And it seems like somehow things changed. Some people say it changed the night that Trump won. I personally was feeling it prior to that, but it seems to be getting spiraling darker and darker. The timeline is really getting darker. Okay, that's enough of the political talk. See, it wasn't that bad. But another big explanation is we know exactly what happened and when. For this explanation, you have to go back to September 10th, 2008. What happened on September 10th, 2008? I don't know. But I looked it up. There was one thing that happened that was very significant. The Large Hadron Collider. The first experiment happened at CERN on September 10th, 2008. When they turned on the Large Hadron Collider, looking to prove the Big Bang and the beginnings of the universe, perhaps, just perhaps, something happened that changed things as we know it, changed time as we know it, if you will. And I, and I got to say, that is a very good explanation because they were messing with things that they didn't honestly didn't know what was going to happen. Were they going to create a black hole that was going to suck the earth into it? Were they going to go back in time? Were they going to time travel? They didn't really know what was going to happen when they got that large Hadron Collider going. Perhaps this is the result. The Mandela effect is the result of little skews that happened that have changed little things. And the fact that they're still using the Large Hadron Collider, does that mean more Mandela effects are on the way? Because like I was saying earlier, it does appear 
that now that we've noticed the Mandela effects, we're starting to see them more and more and more. Now, sadly for you guys, I am not smart enough to say if the next one is true or not, or explain it well enough for you. It's called the Dwave Quantum 2, and I didn't say Dave, and I didn't mispronounce Dave. It is D-W-A-V-E Quantum 2. The what? Yeah, I know. Apparently, it's the most advanced quantum computer in the world. Now, this theory says that something to the effect, anyway, that this quantum computer is resourcing its information from different dimensions and basically polluting ours as it does it. Now, this theory is because there's an 18-minute lecture from about five years ago given by the founder and chief technology officer of D-Wave, and his name is Jordy Rose. Now, this guy seems to be very smart, seems to know what he's talking about, seems very credible. And he says that in explaining this D-Wave computer, that quantum computation will be the first technology that allows useful tasks to be performed in collaboration between parallel universes. I'm going to say that one more time. Quantum computation will be the first technology that allows useful tasks to be performed in collaboration between parallel universes. Now, this isn't some quack, crazy, tinfoil hat-wearing guy in his garage building stuff. This guy is the leader of a company that a lot of people are watching. The founder of a company that has investments from Google, Goldman Sachs, Jeff Bezos. There's some dude named Steve Jurvetson, and he sits on the board of Tesla, SpaceX, Synthetic Genomics, and D-Wave. Really smart men, perhaps the smartest men or most influential men in current time. And he's talking about a quantum computation between parallel universes. Is it real? I have no idea. If I did know, I'd probably have a better job and a lot more money. But I don't know. It's pretty crazy technology, apparently. And I have no idea how real what he's saying is true. If I got one of these quantum computers or if these quantum computers are actually running and they're doing things in parallel universes. But I'm sure some robot will show up to my house now that I've set it into a microphone and explain it to me or kill me. Or replace me. Who knows? You might get a better Kurt in just a couple weeks because of this. So, congratulations. I'm almost running out of voice, but I want to continue on with a couple of more. How about Project Bluebeam? Listen to one of my old episodes to know what this is and how this might be a government conspiracy to change things to keep us all confused. That kind of end goal that Project Bluebeam has. It does seem plausible that they have the ability to change most of what we remember, but perhaps it's some mind probe that's just changing what we remember. Maybe we're all, maybe it's some big experiment and we're the lab rats. I can go on and on about explanations. Is it CERN? We've talked about. Is it Project Pegasus? We haven't talked about. What about the Montauk Project? The Philadelphia Experiment? Is it Tesla? Is it the Tesla technology? And I don't mean those awesomely cool electric cars. I mean, Nikolai Tesla. Is it his technology? That's another big theory that Nikola Tesla's technology 
and I did just mispronounce it, Nikolai, it's Nikola, that Nikola Tesla's technology might be responsible for the Mandela effect. It's definitely possible his technology is responsible for time travel because that's something that he was definitely working on. Teleportation and time travel. This one might mess you up because if once I start thinking about it, it really messes me up. Is this proof that we're all a program, that we don't exist? That big theory out there that we are all just characters in a computer program right now. For whatever reason, however you want to get to that, are we all just part of a computer program right now? A really advanced quantum computer program. And if so, maybe the computer program, when it was updating, it got a couple of things wrong, little glitches, if you will, little glitches in the matrix, if you will. Is this proof that we're just computer programs? And if we are, how does that help me? Knowing that I'm a computer program doesn't help me because in this computer program, I still have bills. I still have to keep a roof over my head. It's not like that I'm waking up now. Like It's not like I'm Neo and all of a sudden now that I know, I'm going to wake up in goop. Nope. Okay, I'm a computer program. I still got to do the same crap that I had to do yesterday. Still going to do it for the next 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever, how many years I got left in me. It doesn't change enough things, but it really messes you up if you think about it. Never get high and think about that. Not that I have, but I'm just warning you, don't go down that rabbit hole when you're high. It might mess you up. Don't do drugs. Okay. There is something that I found that I only found once, but I thought it was really interesting and I wanted to add it almost like a PS to this episode. And there's one psychic online who said, I'm finding that people with an M in their palm see the Mandela effect more than those who don't. So if you look at your palm right now, do you see a capital M? M is in Mary. Do you see a capital M in your palm? If you do, did you have those weird feelings when listening to this list that things weren't right? Also, if you don't, if you looked at your palm and you don't have one, are you still affected by the Mandela effect? Let me know. I would like to do a small sample experiment with the listeners on this. And last but not least, I'll leave you with this. Again, maybe the reason we remember is because we're the control group in a grand experiment. What's the end to that grand experiment? I don't know, but if it is escalating, and it again, it seems to be, are we getting close to the end of this grand experiment? Are things going to change so dramatically, so drastically, that life as we know it will cease to exist. Like I said, so many explanations, I don't know which ones are right. That brings us to this part. What do you guys think? What do you think of the Mandela effect? Do you believe it at all? Did any of these hit you so hard in the gut that you know one thing is right that I just told you was never right? If so, which ones were they? Were they ones that didn't bother me but seriously bothered you? Or were they the ones that bothered me? Was it Berenstein Bears? That seems to be a big one for a lot of people. What do you guys think? I want to hear from you. Another thing I want to hear about is did I miss any? Did I miss any big ones? I know I didn't get to them all. There's a shit ton of them. But I wanted to get to the big ones or the good ones. But did I miss any big ones? Maybe I don't know about this one yet. Maybe you're going to blow my mind with yet more Mandela effects. I don't know. 
God, I hope not. I can only handle so much. But this has been the Mandela Effect 50th episode. I want to take a second and thank everyone who's listening to these episodes. You have no idea how much it means to me that you guys are listening to these episodes, that you guys are giving me phenomenal reviews. I love these reviews. You guys are so kind. I really hope you guys like this show. I really love doing it for you guys. Patrons, I cannot thank you enough. You guys are awesome. I love chatting with you guys. I really honestly do. I think you guys are cool. I need to get you guys more stuff. I'm working on more stuff. I'm trying to decide what the next patron episode will be just for you guys. But trust me when I say there will be another just patron episode, including a ghost investigation, a paranormal investigation that will be patron only, patron exclusive. I'm telling you now, as much as I want to do an episode for everybody, this one's just for the patrons. But back to the Mandela effect and back to the 50th episode. Thank you all so much for listening to this 50th episode. I can't wait to say thank you for listening to the 100th episode and the 200th episode, and let's keep doing these. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. He's this the